Good evening, Black Minds. This is BLK Minds Matter with Alicia Ivory, and I am a physician scientist and licensed marriage and family therapist in training. And every week I bring you a topic that I'm seeing in session, and I give you a little food for thought for about 20 minutes and elicit some feedback. All right, buckle up. This week I want to talk about um, a concept that shows up in a lot of relationships um, that doesn't really get talked about and it doesn't really get um, really discussed in a lot of detail and the impacts of it really aren't discussed in a lot of detail. And it's the topic of uh, financial abuses within relationships. Um, and when I you know, did a lot of research about financial abuse, the material mostly focused on financial abuse that involves one person earning all of the money uh, in the relationship or one person controlling all of the money in a relationship. Uh, and because they earn or control all the money in a relationship, the other person is not able to, uh, you know, to live, to live a full life. They're not able to buy food. They're not able to travel. They're not able to, um, to make any independent decisions. Um, that is not the financial abuse um, that will be discussed uh, in this session. Um, the financial abuse that uh, I'm speaking of is um, when one partner misrepresents facts or uh, engages in a, in a relationship uh, where uh, the other person is consistently being positioned to give money uh, that the other partner either knows is to their detriment um, or, or is... Uh, or it is, it is being positioned to them as if it is for their benefit. Um, included under this umbrella is also maintaining a relationship with someone or when someone is maintaining a relationship with you specifically to get money from you or is creating a reality for you in which you perceive that you're part of the team uh, um, but they know that you are not <laughs> in order to capitalize on your ability to make money. So this person either doesn't have the same ability to make money or um, just wants more. Um, but the partnership really isn't, sorry, isn't real, sorry, or the partnership or the nature of the relationship is misrepresented to the person that is uh, funding um, to the person that is funding the relationship. So for example, let's say you're uh, a writer or something. So you don't have a lot of money, but you're surviving, Sorry, you're able to pay your bills. Um, and you meet a woman uh, at a grocery store who like picks a conversation with you. She's very complimentary. You guys feel like you're vibing. The relationship moves forward. Uh, and she starts to discuss uh, her ideas for the future of you guys together, that you guys are going to move to you know, Texas, or you guys are going to travel the world. Um, and she says you guys should start buying a house, or you guys should have kids, right? So she's building this you know idea um, of partnership and so now you are becoming more invested in the future, so in her exactly. future, because you guys feel like it's, when it it's goes on a to the future. So she also begins to tell you right about here. her dreams of becoming a dancer, right? So she knows that uh, you have uh, some money, and she starts now thinking, like, oh, you know, I really wish that I could afford this dance class because then I'll be able to audition for this thing. Or I really the love these new dance the shoes, but I can't, I can't afford them because I really want to do Most times, and only if the person believes that they're in a partnership, they'll stretch themselves and they'll 
you know, yeah. reach out to try to pay for the classes. I would say or reach out to try on, to uh, pay for the shoes. And now most people, especially successful people, people that have are they, following their vision um, and and having successes in their vision, believe in supporting the vision of their partners. So people that want to switch that often pick those people. Um, so the abuse in this case will reveal itself when, let's say, you find out that she has. Multiple partners. So multiple partners are um, funding these dreams of now, when, so, oh, let me show you. Let me show you the trust I think I can show you a trust that okay. uh, will eventually so, reap the benefits of this investment. Um, show you an all uh, right here. Or the person really doesn't have a future plan with you at all. Doctor um, or Aristotle pulsations. Those are hallmark for transposition. Or um, the person. Really is misrepresenting the their financial standing, right? So they the right they're telling you they don't have any money, but they really that's do why. have money, right? So that's where the the, right. the abuse is not in the receiving of the financial support from the partner. This, this is the misrepresentation of the nature of the relationship, the nature of the finances of the partner, or the give back the return on the investment. Transposition. You won't see the aortic valve. So it's. In this way, these kind of abuses within relationships are like investment scams or confidence scams where people, where? Because the right you know, give somebody some money because of so because some promise of, of a return, or okay. you give somebody this is, this is coming, uh, some money because of confidence that they have fraudulently uh, cultivated. So, I was talking to, uh, to one of my right, clients right about this so, situation, without being um, and they that's why it looks like beads on a string because the, the media is narrow. This is going to be absolutely a social problem that happens predominantly from one social group against another social group. So this person was saying that she felt like uh-huh. it, it's a, this financial type of abuse or financial type of exploitation happens a lot, um, but it's always from black men exploiting their finances for black women. I won't say that that is accurate, although that is her experience, and I respect her experience because she's seen it happen to herself, her friends, her parents, you know, that kind of thing. So not negating her experience, but it happens. It happens from. Uh, black men. You know how it presents with um, a single S2? It happens from no. black women toward black men you know, as well. I will say place. that as a uh, as a social, as an economic group, or as a socioeconomic group, black women, because they are positioned in this society to be more, to have more, have access to more education, have be invited more into certain employment spaces that yeah, there's no splitting. That's more important. important I mean, yes. more employment spaces. Oh, yes. For the black women plastic, hold more wealth as a group um, than black than black men. Any, and even when we talk about people that are impoverished, um, black after. women can uh, they have access to more resources to be uh, for their their uh, lives to be supported because they normally have children and with with. Uh, yeah, yeah, sometimes being a woman I, and having children, it helps uh, states and federal programs um, will some will help like, you to states uh, and federal programs will like make sure that you have food by giving you food, share, make sure you like have a place to live by by giving you assistance. They'll um, help um, you get a car. 
um, if I go up there to work, so that you can sustain even when your previous male partner is not offering economic so even uh, impoverished black women uh, experience this kind of exploitation from black uh, black men. Um, so I said all that to say it happens between men and women. It happens. I mean, it happens uh, with women as the uh, the exploiter, um, and it happens with men as the exploiter. I think in in middle class and uh, low income black families, it is. Um, much more prominent to see this exploitation happening toward black women from black men um, just because of the situations, the economic opportunities, and the ability to have access to, uh, to, to financial independence and finance, to finances, um, period, uh, with black, you know, for black women. Anyways, um, so then, so now that we've kind of talked a little about a little bit about what constitutes um, the financial abuse I found myself really interested in figuring out so then what's the solution or what are some solutions that I've seen people uh, put forth to prevent these financial abuses from happening um, so there's three of them that I could kind of pick out from what my clients experience and what they've, what they've uh, done to kind of combat it. One is that some people don't exchange money in their relationships, period. Um, they do not have money conversations. What they can fund for themselves, they fund for themselves and they call their partner to fund those things for themselves also. Um, and they don't exchange. They don't talk, they don't discuss about their own money. Um, it's just not, it's just a non-factor. Um, and I think that this, this works for some people. Um, sometimes it presents a problem because one partner um, may uh, get into a financial bind or um, take a financial risk and lose, uh, and they have to endure it alone even when they have a partner. And that can cause some, um, some feelings of alienation, some feelings of emotional distress. Um, it can cause people to not venture out and, and follow some dreams that are more risky because they don't they don't have the safety net of, of, you know, two earners. But but either way, it's it's one way to do it, to not exchange money at all. Um, other people only date people that they believe have more money, right? So they are fine with exchanging money, but they want to exchange money with people that have money, <laughs> with people that already have it. So if they'll give somebody, you know, $20 or $30 or $100, but they will only do that if they are with a person that can give back two thousand or thirty thousand, um, to know that they that they're not giving more than the other person is giving, uh, and there that person has money to to sustain them in return, um, and that's that is another way that people uh, have successfully navigated exchanging money. Uh, that one gets sticky as well though because um, people misrepresent the amount of money that they have, especially in romantic relationships and especially in the beginning where you're trying to figure figure out who they are. And so you may get into a situation where you're giving your $20 or you're giving your $200 um, and that person seems like they may have it to give back or they may seem like they're um, financially stable and they either 
don't ever get it back or they borrow from somebody else and somebody else that they may or may not be in a relationship with to give it back to you. So that's another way that people protect themselves against financial abuses. Another thing that people do is some people develop a relationship with money in a way that they budget what they're able to lose, what they're able to gift, um, and what, what money they're able to, to risk. And then they just share with whoever they want freely. They share with whoever they want, but they have rules and boundaries that keep themselves uh, financially and emotionally safe. So financially safe meaning they know their budget and they're not putting any money at risk that they can't afford to lose. Um, and then emotionally safe, um, they're taking inventory of what, how would I feel and what would I do if I did lose this money, um, if this person did betray me or this person did, um, you know, what was not who they said they was not who they said they were. And so I really liked um, this approach because I felt like I'm all, I'm always I always kind of err on the side of knowing who you are, knowing what you want knowing your limitations and, and doing what you think is the right thing to do and understanding the risk associated with it. So with this this idea of having a healthy relationship with money and, and also maintaining a healthy relationship with the other person, knowing your budget. So if you don't if you don't know what you can spend or you don't know what you can lose, your response to someone taking from you or the the amount of betrayal that you feel when someone took something that you could not afford to give, it looks different. It just hits different when somebody takes something that you didn't have to give. So knowing your budget and knowing what you're able to lose and never, ever, ever, ever betraying yourself in the way that you are giving what you can't afford to, to risk is, I think, I think a good rule, but you guys tell me what you think about it. And then knowing your heart too, right? So knowing that are you giving are you giving somebody money so that they'll be okay and you really care about their safety and their well-being or their dreams? And would you care about this thing if what they were saying to you was a complete lie or the relationship did not exist? Um, also, are you giving so that they'll love you or so that they'll identify you as a trustworthy person or an ally? Even though this seems like a really good reason to give, you can identify yourself as a trustworthy person and um, obtain love and show love for people in a way that does not put you at financial risk. So when you get that um, that feeling when somebody asks you for something and you really shouldn't, I would caution you to take a moment to just think about what those feelings are and, and not to put yourself at risk. People that love you and people that are building a relationship with you and that, that mean you well should not want to put you at risk. So you don't put yourself at risk and you communicate that um, you're not able to do it. You just can't. Um, and then are you giving um, somebody something because you want to feel powerful or you want to feel like you are, you know, a well-established uh, adult or you, like, you have something that you don't have? Um, and, and I'm not, um, I'm not passing judgment on on that feeling either, right? We all want to feel powerful. We all want to feel like we're valuable. We all want to contribute and to be seen as someone that is contributing. And sometimes the means to, to doing that is by gift giving or acts of service, which can always involve money. I just caution 
people to think about if that's the reason why. So that once they once you give somebody the money, that 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 feeling of power, it, it goes away pretty quickly um, once they receive it or if they don't appreciate it when they don't even acknowledge it or they lie and say you didn't give it to them or, you know, any of those things. Um, so that's all I wanted to talk about, really. Just throw some things out there about this idea of when you're being financially abused or when you are financially abusing someone. Um, I was looking online uh, and through some some law books about if these things, if these kind of abuses are criminal, and in some cases they are, but, but most of the time, the people that are getting taken from are so emotionally invested and just want it over with because they're so hurt by the, the abuse that they don't, people don't prosecute these kind of crimes um, and they go on all the time. Um, so I think for now, it really should just stay as a a mental health discussion and I think we should really focus on the mental health aspects of it and how each person can protect their own mental health during exchanges of money with their loved ones um, or with their, their partners. All right, that's my spiel for this week. Y'all have a good night.